0: Welcome to episode 58 of the Better Band Bureau podcast.
1: You're listening to the Better Band Bureau podcast, the number one online resource for DIY bands to learn about the music business and touring. If you want to turn your band
0: into a lean, mean touring machine, you're in the right place. Now, let's get this show on the road. It is time for another episode of the podcast where we tell you how to run your business more efficiently and effectively. And in the case of this episode, we're going to tell you how to do things outside of your business so you can have a business to come back to. My name is James Cross, and I'm here with Matt Hose of Alive in Barcelona. How have you been doing in the past 10 minutes since we last talked, Matt?
1: Oh, I've I've been hosed.
0: Oh boy. This is going to become a theme now, isn't it? <laughs> Only if you're lucky. okay. Okay. Well, I don't know if the listeners can be considered lucky at this point, at least if they made it through last week's episode, because as much as I enjoyed that episode, I made so many puns. I think probably it's going to be a little hazardous to listen to if you go back, if you haven't heard that one. And I'm trying to think of a pun right now, and this is what happens. I just keep talking until I think of a pun, and I, I really have no idea what to say except that, you know, you should always know your enemy, and if puns aren't your enemy then that's okay. Just embrace them with arms wide open.
1: James, you have hit a new all-time low. Oh,
0: you know, it's really the bravery that it takes to make these puns. <laughs> it's incredible. You got to have a disturbed mind for all these puns.
1: Disturbed mind. You're the worst. <laughs> you are the worst.
0: Oh, yeah. I can just imagine when the podcast is famous in like five years, people are going to listen to this and like, there will be 10,000 fists waiting to pummel me. Oh my <laughs> God. it's a land of confusion out here matt it's a land of confusion oh my gosh
1: it's all right you just got to take the power back
0: (laughs) yeah oh man it's the power of love the love for puns what is love (laughs) baby don't hurt me (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure people are gonna, so... <laughs>
0: maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> we should we should uh, banter on away from this and get into our topic. <laughs> oh, what is today's
1: topic, James? What are we talking about today?
0: We're gonna go down a little dream street here. No? no Don't okay. try it. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the Mythbusters. We can try this at home. Anyway, for lots of artists, you have a dream, whether that is... Making a full time living or just getting your music out there and having it change people's lives. There are so many different things that create a dream for somebody who wants to make music. And there are lots of different ways to get there. The unfortunate thing is whether you're trying to go full time or just want to do it as a hobby, you're going to have to have some kind of work bringing in the income until you are lucky enough that your music. I shouldn't just say lucky enough. Lucky enough and have put in the work that your music is giving you enough income to live on. Chances are it's not gonna be an amazing get rich scenario, but you can make enough money with your music to live on. And that's the key here. But until then, unfortunately, you're gonna need, like I said, some way to make money. The issue is if you have a steady Day job, that is absolutely a band killer. I'm not going to make the bright side joke again, just for the record. I'm not going to use that two episodes in a row. But even with the best of intentions, if you're trying to put food on the table, if you have a job that puts golden handcuffs on you, that will hold you back from your musical dreams, no matter what they are. Like I said, even if you're just a hobbyist, you're going to have to find time for your music. It's not necessarily a bad thing to have golden handcuffs. If you love making music, but wanna provide for your family and that's your main goal, that's fine. But recognize the effect that that has on your music. On the other hand, if you want to be playing music every second of every day, you can't have a day job. That's just not gonna work out. I should specify, when we're saying golden handcuffs, we're talking like you know white collar jobs or high paying blue collar jobs, something that has benefits and is too good to pass up on. At least that's what you think it is. It's too good. I can't give up on this. I can't quit my job because I'm making 60 bucks an hour. Like, okay, you're making 60 bucks an hour. Are you happy? Do you need 60 bucks an hour to live? If you were making 15 bucks an hour doing something else, would you still have enough money to survive on? If the answer is yes and that gives you less stressful work to take home because, you know, chances are if you're making 60 bucks an hour, you're probably taking your work home with you. So, okay, if you work food service and make 15 bucks an hour, including your tips, you're going to have less work to take home. Can you do that? Okay. If you can live on that, you'll have more time to focus on your music. Food service is just one alternative. There's also retail, but thanks to the internet, there are a bazillion ways you can make a living without working a job you hate and be flexible on your own terms. Now, I've got some experience with this, not super recently. Matt, though, I know you have some great experience here. Do you want to jump into this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so you know you you already mentioned a good first one. Uh, waiting tables, you know, food service is actually um, and specifically serving is very, very, very beneficial to the touring lifestyle. Being in the music industry is already in the gig economy. You are basically individually playing shows to make an individual paycheck from that individual job. And waiting tables is basically the same thing, only it's compartmentalized even smaller. You, as a freelance server, essentially, are going to tables and providing service, and they are giving you money based on the job that you do. So it's basically the same exact thing, only the difference is you put on a uniform, you go into the same building every day, and it's a little bit more routine and habitual. The awesome thing about serving is that there are always other servers who are looking to pick up hours, And there's a lot of flexibility as far as coming and going for tour. A lot of times, as long as you're a hard worker and you've developed good quality relationships with your managers, leaving for long periods of time and coming back is something that a lot of employers will absolutely let you do because they're always looking for a hardworking employee to come back. And on top of that, they generally can fill a server position kind of easy for the times that you're going to be gone. For me, I served for quite a few, for five years, six years, and it was great for touring. They gave me opportunities that I could not have had working any other, you know, like you're saying a white collar or a high paying blue collar job. I couldn't have done that if I was as a manager, pretty much as soon as a business comes in and tells you like, Oh, here's the benefits package that you're going to be receiving for your job. That's basically their way of saying like, this is what we're leveraging for your time you're not going to be able to leave whenever you want. You're going to have one week of paid vacation a year. You know, you're going to be able to have insurance. You're going to be able to have paid time off or whatever, this, that, and the next thing, sick days. You know, they're giving you these benefits to leverage your time investment. So if you need your time investment for playing music, well, then you can't be playing, you know, you can't be working for these benefit giving places. You need to be working gigs. That's already what you're doing. You're already pushing for that style of life when you're going into the music industry. This is a part of the gig economy, and it really is like the Wild West of the gig economy. Now, I'm sure some of you have heard this term gig economy before, but some of you probably haven't. The gig economy are your Uber drivers. They are your DoorDash delivery people. They are your Instacart shoppers. They are your TaskRabbit handymen. They are your GigSpot workers. There's all sorts of platforms online, like James was talking about earlier, applications on the internet that basically allow you to work freelance jobs and be able to have some sort of income on your schedule and on your own terms. The power of the gig economy lies in its scheduling. You have complete control over your own schedule, you know exactly how much money you're making. You know, as long as you're a budgeter, and I know James has mentioned YNAB, you need to budget probably 50 times so far in our (laughs) podcast. You can use these tools to basically, you know, so you can take yourself out of the equation. You can say, oh, I need to make this much money. Oh, this these are my bills. Oh, okay. Well, I can go out and I can Uber drive. Now, if Uber driving is a little, you know, if the demands of Uber are too high, each gig economy job is going to have some sort of different demand from you, essentially. You know, with Uber driving, you need to have a clean car. You you know, most people like music and things like that. So the people who are driving Uber full time when they're, you know, not doing other things, those people are, you know, they're making sure that their cars are upkept. You know, some of them have bottles of water in the car, snacks, things like that. They're trying to earn a living, but they're in complete control of their schedule. They've made that trade of the freedom in exchange for maybe a little bit higher paying job, maybe insurance or something like that. They've figured out exactly what it is in their life that they were willing to leverage for their time. If you have a different skill set, like let's say you're a graphic designer or a voice actor, or and these are things that you want to do on the side to kind of push your entertainment skill set into multiple industries, you can do this. There's platforms like Fiverr or Soundbetter or Upwork where... You're actually able to find clients on your own, develop a quality relationship. You can set your own rates. These are platforms that do a lot of your marketing for you. They cover a lot of like the really hard expenses for when you're starting a business, especially a freelance business until the gig economy started happening. There weren't really a lot of places where you could easily go and just find someone and digitally bring them to your house or digitally start working with them. I would advise every single one of you to start getting into the gig economy right now. Now, whether that's Lyft or Uber, DoorDash or Grubhub, TaskRabbit or Instacart or Amazon Flex is another one where you can deliver Amazon packages. These are basically tools that are going to allow you to free up your time, that make you your own boss, that give you freedoms that working at A corporate job can't offer you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was a Lyft driver a few years ago. I got a new car and I had a nice paying job, which I ended up leaving because golden handcuffs. (laughs) But I did the math when I was buying the car and I said, you know, if I drive for two to three hours a week, I can pay off the car. And then about two months later, my job gave me a raise. So I stopped driving for Lyft. But for those two to three months, it was a, it was a good time. You know, I met some really interesting people, met two ladies from Minnesota. This was in San Diego, who just about had a fit that I was playing motion city soundtrack because they were from the same city as motion city. And they're like, I haven't heard anybody playing this band for like 10 years. I'm like, yep. Well, I like them. (laughs) (laughs) So that was fun. And you know, things like that. And now I've moved on and run my own businesses. And you know, fiverr upwork sound better those are all great if you don't have an established network but if you do have an established network of people who would be looking for your service there are even more opportunities there so for example if you do graphic design and you've been playing shows for 10 years and you know everyone who is in a diy band in your area guess what you have hundreds of potential clients right there that you can reach out to say hey you know, this is the album art I've done. If you're working on something new, I'd love to, you know, drop a draft for you and see if you're interested in hiring me to do your album art. Same thing goes if, you know, you're the person in your band that can do recording and do it well enough. Say, hey, you know, I, uh, I really like your music. I think maybe we could work together. I could make something really awesome, do the production for you. Let me know what you think. Here's my stuff. All of that is great it takes a lot more work than Fiverr or Soundbetter or Upwork. But you have full control of the project. You don't have to go through their systems and they don't take a cut. So that's an advantage. But if you're starting from scratch and you don't have that network built in, that's going to be extremely difficult to do. It's so tough to start a business from scratch with zero clients. A lot of people start a business and then it fizzles out after two to three months when they realize how much work it is. It is an incredible amount of work. But just imagine that when you start, you know, a booking agency or whatever, you can be driving down the road at 65 miles an hour, obviously not driving yourself, somebody else in the band is driving. You're in the back of the van sending out emails, booking shows. That's amazing. That's how to be in the music industry because when you're just driving down the road, you're not making any money. If you can make money while you're driving down the road, again, not yourself driving, that's awesome. A couple of years ago, five years ago, actually, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes were on their first tour and I set up a phone interview. They called me from the van as they were driving down the road in England. You know, that's the beauty of the internet. They were in England. I was here in Vermont interviewing one of my favorite singers. You can do pretty much anything remotely. Now, I wouldn't say you should do remote recording while you're in a van, (laughs) but you know, you could do remote guitar parts, plug them into a DI on your interface, record remote guitar for somebody you know, they need a lead guitarist, there you go. There are so many options out there for what you can do. It is up to you to find what works for you. And not only that, but what works for your clients. Because if you have a service that you can do that is in demand, you will find that business with a little bit of effort.
1: Absolutely. There are a couple other ways, and really that's mostly what this episode is about, is us just kind of pointing out to you that there are tools out there that can help you adapt out of your situation in order to slant your focus more towards music. With, um, let's say, songwriters. A lot of you guys spend a lot of time writing words. It's what you do. You're writers. And so, look into content writing. There are always people who are looking for content writers. The entire world is digital right now. The entire world has websites. The entire world is blog posts. The entire world is articles. And you know what they need? They need people that are constantly filling their sites with content so that people keep going back to them. A lot of the time, your content might not even get used. But the thing is, these other major businesses, they're using the law of large numbers. They're hiring out people and they're saying, hey, I'm going to hire 10 people to write 10 articles And then they're going to go through those 100 articles and they're going to pick out the five best. And that's what they're going to use for their Tuesday post every week. They paid, you know, $1,000 and they have six weeks of content. Now, granted, that's for a larger business, but you could be one of those content writers. That's the point that I'm actually getting at. I've done content writing. It might have been like three tours ago where my drummer was driving the bus. I was content writing for a website my guitarist was on the phone with one of the bands that he manages. My bassist was messaging one of his social media clients, and then I believe that my other guitarist, who is he was going to school, I believe he was there working on uh, school stuff as well. But the point is, is while we were sitting there driving across, you know, hundreds of miles between shows, we were all working towards something. Our full time job is no longer going into McDonald's is not going into a retail store. Our full-time job is now focusing on how we can work remotely. And honestly, you have to chase that money all the same. And so using some of these tools to help you develop a clientele base is absolutely wonderful. Certain jobs you can't do remote, and that's just how it is. But graphic work, voice acting work, content writing work. If you have a home You can put it on Airbnb as long as you're uh, complying with your HOA or your covenant policies or or, or basically whatever the the law of the land is where you're at. Now, obviously, currently, you know, that's not going to be the case. We're all still in our homes and nobody's touring anyway, but it's food for thought for when you start to leave on tour and you're going to have an apartment that somebody else could come and stay at for 300 bucks. And then you can actually get on TaskRabbit and hire somebody to come and clean that place and reset everything for like 50, 60 bucks. If you put that place on the market for like 150, 200 bucks a night, and then you pay somebody 50 bucks, cool. You just made $150 for nothing, for existing. What's the risk? Yeah, they might damage some of your stuff. So don't keep your, you know, maybe lock up all your stuff if that's your plan. Maybe you have to restock some goodies, things like that. You got to make sure you have some kid-friendly DVDs or whatnot. The point is that the overhead is like slim to nothing. And then once you have that asset, it's just something that can actively make money for you. It's not for everybody, but it's another avenue. So basically what you need to do is analyze your life, figure out what system works for you. What tools do you have at your disposal? Obviously you're not going to go be a Lyft driver if you don't have a car. Obviously you're not going to Airbnb your apartment if you don't have an apartment. You have to look and see what tools you have. If it's delivery work, can I do that? If it's, you know, do I have music production software? Can I do voice recording? Do I have a laptop for remote content writing? Determine what tools you have, and then you can determine what gig work you can actually start doing, and then start doing that gig work. You'll start to taste it. You'll taste that freedom. And some of you will then go, I don't want to do this anymore. If this is a requirement, if I have to sacrifice, you know, some people need routine And let me tell you that the music industry is not for you then. If you need that consistent routine, it's, you know, you're going to play a show at a different time every night. You're going to have a different number of miles to drive. You're going to have to be reaching out to clients on times when it's inconvenient for you. You're going to have to be factoring in time zones. You're going to have to be making sure that you keep up with your clients while you're exhausted and not sleeping well. It's demanding. It's very hard. It's mentally taxing. You know, they say that the mental health in the music industry is among the lowest among artists because combined with the fact that people don't pay money for their stuff, they also have to put themselves through extreme conditions in order to do it. You know, an artist, when they're commissioned for a piece, they do it wherever they want. But when a musician is commissioned for a show, they have to go to that venue. There's an old joke that, you know, a musician is the only person who will take $10,000 in equipment stuff it into a $5,000 car, drive 1,000 miles to play a show to 100 people and to get paid 50 bucks. And it's absolutely true because... If you are a musician, if you are the true, you know, the bards, the minstrels of the day, if we are the nomads who travel to perform because that's like we're troubadours. This is literally what we were born to do. And those of you who know that you were born to do this, you know it in your soul, you know how it feels, you know that you were born to create and that's all there is to it, then these are the tools that you have to utilize in order to make sure that you can compete in today's markets.
0: Yeah, I think that is a great closing point. But one last thing I want to throw out there. That I thought of when you were mentioning not having a car. If you do have a car, similarly to how you can rent out your apartment or house on Airbnb, there's an app called Turo, T U R O, where you can list your car. It's literally Airbnb for cars. So somebody can come pick up your car, or you can take it to them and they will rent it for X number of days at whatever price you set. You know, obviously look at what other cars in your area are going for similar cars. But it's a really cool app. And this is something else. You know, if you have a roommate who can hand over the keys and then just check for dents when they bring it back, you know, get the keys back, check the mileage, make sure there's no damage, you can have your roommate do that and be like, yo, I'll give you 10 bucks every time because it takes like five minutes, you know, super easy. I uh, when we moved from L.A. to San Diego a few years ago, I rented a 95 Toyota Tacoma. (laughs) It was a 21 year old truck for like 20 bucks a day. It was great. Now, obviously, in your car would go for more. So if you're paying 300 bucks a month on your lease or your payment plan or whatever, and you can get 40 bucks a day for renting your car out, rent it for 10 bucks a month, and yo, there's your car payment. $400 minus tax, you're probably looking about $300. That is another great way to earn some money, either if you're just not using your car often or if you're on the road and somebody can do the handoffs for you. That's the beauty
1: of the gig economy, the freedom that it delivers to you. Now, freedom is the enemy of safety, and so it has its pros and cons as well. If you're renting out your car to somebody, what if they get in an accident? Yes, of course, there's insurance policies and things like that set in place to help you, you know, cover your butt, essentially. But it's still a giant headache. Even if you're covered at all corners, it's still, even if I can jump through a flaming hoop, I still have to jump through the flaming hoop. That's why I say it's really important for each and every one of you to figure out exactly what's going to suit you. For me personally, I'm not a material person. So I am totally happy, like letting people stay in my house or letting people rent my car during, you know, when we're not in a pandemic. But in my particular situation, I have a car that I'm still paying on. So I would not loan that car out.
0: That's a really good point.
1: I can't. I can't physically do it. So there's things that are going to bar me from actually being able to do that. And then inversely, I also have another car that is paid off. Now I could rent that one out, but it's also a stick shift. So maybe I wouldn't want to, there's different pros and different cons. And then whatever's important to me, I'm going to weigh that. And I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like, oh, maybe I'm not going to rent out my car, but I am going to rent out my apartment space so that maybe the, you know, a thousand dollars in rent I have to pay this month, I can, rent this out for, you know, three or four days, maybe two or three weekends and boom, I just made 800 bucks. So now my rent's only $200. There's lots of awesome ways to really leverage your time, leverage your money, leverage your bills. You know, if you're paying on on an apartment, the best thing that you can do is have your apartment make you money.
0: That does it for this episode of the podcast. As someone who's done all kinds of work from working in a pizza shop or McDonald's to driving for a Lyft, there are so many different ways you can earn money. Obviously, when you're a musician, you have to support yourself somehow. So please take this into consideration. Make sure that you can meet your minimum lifestyle needs for you and your family if you support a family when you're listening to this. That all aside, we have some exciting news for you. Next week, things will sound and look a little different for the podcast. We can't wait to show you what's going to be going down. And we hope you will like the changes that we're making. So we'll be back next Tuesday at 7 a.m. Looking forward to showing you what the new iteration of the podcast is going to be like. But don't worry, all the stuff you love is going to stay and things will only get better from here. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you have an awesome week. Stay well. And of course, as always, keep rocking.